music, please. And so they're treating you as though they're superior to you when really they don't run shit. They just act as though they run shit. Absolutely. So it can really be demeaning when you're being demeaned by somebody who didn't do what it takes to even qualify them to have that opinion about you. So for me, it's like always, I don't, I don't, I haven't told people this, but like me working in the firm that I work in took my business to the next level. Do you have any idea who you talking to? Sweet talk episode 54. It's lit. Episode Brian Erlacher. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of Generational Wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. That's good. Are we on the end, Tweet dope what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Megana himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode of Horace Grant. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and that's about oh, it, man. Horace Grant. Forgotten man from the Bulls with the with the goggles. Yep, it's funny, man. Dennis Rodman kind of like took his place in history almost. Like people forget about Horace Grant. Yeah, he was the original three P. Then whatever. Anyway, episode fifty four. Raphael and Charles back at it again. Episode fifty four, part two, man. Part two, because your boy forgot to hit record the other day. Sucks when that happens. It's like the second time. Sucks when that happens. But we back at it. We keep going. We keep going. I see, before we kick it off, I saw the boxes, man. Shipping out the views, duffel bags. I see it, man. I got my you notification. Know, man, people, it, 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 what notification? Uh, I got a text message from the post office. May, may, you, may you drop it off? Because really? anytime. Anytime, um, anytime I get a, a, a package, I get a notification from the post office. That's cool. That's Even dope. You yeah. That's cool. I'm glad because the thing is, it takes time to get a business perfected and you're going to take a lot of criticism. So it's like anytime I start something, I always get criticism and criticism comes in a lot of different forms. People, they're like, it's been three weeks. Where's my stuff? And I'm like, well, I didn't even know. I, like there's certain things you don't factor in when you're starting a business. Like I just thought about getting the product from China, let alone then having to find a box or a bag that can fit it, then figuring out how I can get all my stuff down. I'm on the 28th floor from the 28th floor down to the, it's a lot of different things I had to figure out. And so I have those logistics kind of figured out now. Like I know how I'm going to do things. So like going forward, it shouldn't be that difficult, but like the beginning of this business, I haven't been in the product business in a long time, but like the beginning was difficult, but I'm getting better. And I feel like it's a mindset shift because with, with Gumroad, it, they do it all for you. We always talk about digital products, like no shipping, no shipping expense, no having to go to the post office, no having to print labels, no having to do any of that stuff. And so I had to get into it. And a part of me is like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. <laughs> it's, just, it's crazy. I had to, I bought more products and I had to send them money to get the product. And I was like, this is just crazy. Like I never have to do that if I'm just like, there was a night, I never forget. I was sitting on the couch 
much. And a lot of my products come from frequently asked questions. And somebody was like, man, I took the course. I'm having some issues with this. And so I was like, all right, cool. Damn, I never thought about that. Wow. I should do that. I never thought about that. But this is why being your own boss is so dope because you can just create and, 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 and innovate and monetize as you wish. And so I was sitting here and I was like, I should do a tutoring course. And I was like, I'm not going to do it for free. And so I was like, all right, options tutoring, $10. And I ran it up. I probably made like $5,000 overnight. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And so now my thought process is like, hey, I have this options course that I feel like is loaded with value. So what I should do is parse it out. I should have options part one, options part two, options part three. And then I can probably blow up my revenue. Um, the only reason why I share that is because yes, we are shipping products and I also ordered in some more and it's just dope seeing your brand on different things. I'm booking a photo, sh photo shoot. Um, it's just fun building shit. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife, she's building her own brand and I've kind of became a VC because I just fund all their stuff. So she's mm -hmm. uh, doing like some home and garden stuff. And so I've been, I bought all the stuff for that, bought all the materials for that. Uh, I'm going to invest in her online marketing presence as well. So it's just funny how it all comes together but it's not easy. No matter how successful you are, everything you launch that's new is going to get criticized. And I feel like you just have to kind of see through that. And if you can see through that, it really just helps you tighten up. But you're never going to tighten up if you're just operating in like idea land. Right, right. Well, wait, do you have, um, did you ever get a, a hand truck for the vending? The vending? Oh, yeah, I did. So I, need to get, I need to get a better one. You know what's good? Also, one, of those, one of those ones that like lays down, like it's a hand truck, but you can lay it down to be like a flatbed truck that's what i want what i what i have is i have a little dolly so it still kind of puts stress on my body i need to get something i could just push up and pull back make life a million times easier i was at at a smart and final and i was looking around and i was finding all kinds of stuff things that i didn't really know where i could buy it and so i found like corn nuts i found um my cookies peanut butter nutter butters and oreos i found the uh cracker jacks and of course they have the snacks like how i want them and it was just crazy to me because I was like, I'm getting better at doing this the more that I do it. So a lot of people think they they buy a business and then start flourishing. Where sometimes you buy a business and that first year is just an interning. You're interning for yourself. You're just learning the business. You're learning how to do it well. And then once you learn how to do it well, you just start sprinting. But I mean, you still make money. That's the great thing is you get paid to learn. So it's not a free internship, but it's definitely an internship. I keep seeing Dante's other people lately talking about uh, this Rollo printer. Said is the best printer out there for, for shipping. I need to get that man R O L O Rollo Penalty. A lot of them talking about it. And you said in a tweet, I want more people to have my brand. You just have to give away a, a few in the beginning. Yeah, it's funny because as I said that, people are like, well, send me one. I was like, that's not how it works. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. So, but, uh, yeah, I want one. Yeah, but um, I'll say that when you start a business, and the reason why like the options were so successful, it wasn't just that I had a product with a price. I had testimonials and I had people who had success with that product. And so what I was doing is um, when I first start, when I first launched the options course, at first I had a price of like 400 bucks. And then temporarily I dropped it down in price, maybe like 50 bucks. I was selling this thing for like 50 bucks. I saw Chris doing it and I got some sales and then people started taking the course, having some success with it show me their success. And then I started putting that on my marketing as I was marketing their success. And so like with business, you can't just have a brand and just oh, see what you have. people have to see everyday people carrying your bags, talking about how dope your bags are, because that's how you get a buzz. And so for me, it's like, yeah, it's great that I got a good amount of sales that first week. That's dope. I need to continue to promote it. I'm whack for not promoting it. But what's really cool is then people start to see other people doing it and people just follow what they see. And so for me, it's 
It's a combination of sales and giveaways. And a lot of times you can pair those giveaways with maybe people need to retweet your post, tag people so you're getting engagement, you're getting exposure, you're blowing up your brand. And those are the things that you do to start a business. When you start a business, you got to go broke for a little while while you build that brand. And then while you build that brand, then you can start to actually tag, charge as much as you want to charge. Because then people are like, man, I've heard of this company. I've seen it around, blah, blah, blah. And the world just opens up to you. So it's fun because I'm not necessarily tagging Thai Capital with this because I don't feel like the, the ideas are aligned. I don't feel like Thai Capital and a, a, a merchandise brand really go together. So I had to create a whole new brand. But the goal is to get dad hats. The goal is to get shirts. The goal is to get anything that I can create in that brand of course, I want to continue to get more duffel bags. And I think that's why I've been able to get an even more dope duffel bag is because I kind of niche down into luggage. And so my next product is even better. My first product makes the, my second product makes the first product look like, eh, because the second product is fire. It's going to have my brand on it. I'm super excited about that. And it should be in about 30 days. And so the goal is to get that up online and start getting some pre-sales for that. Oh, man. Um, you had these two tweets. I think they go together. I mean, I'm pretty sure they go together. The first tweet said, folks skipping steps. They want to land right on Gumroad without doing the podcast, blog, education, and free internships. And the other tweet said, don't study where I am now. Study where I was four years ago. So I guess they go together because I'm still me and a lot of my ideas cross over. But I think I tweeted those both at different times of the day. Maybe I didn't, I didn't. But what I realized is like a lot of people and I'm, I'm proud of them for doing it. They're skipping steps. They're going right to e-com. They're not going to brand build. They're not going to 150 podcasts plus 50 here, 200 podcasts plus writing a blog a day, plus creating a free investment club, plus giving away all this other free content and value through social media. People just want, they think that they can get what I get, with what I have without going through what I've gone through. And that's why when I see it sometimes, I'm like, good luck. This dude, this dude, he was like, man, I'm creating the options course. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I was like, bro, you got like 2000 followers. If that, I don't think he had that many followers. And I was like, no knock against people who have that level of followers, but don't think you're going to to attack me when our reach is not the same. Don't think you're going to compete with me when we're not on the same space. And the same dude, he came to me and he was like, hey man, I'm trying to learn how to start an options community, blah, blah, blah. And I ignored him and then he got mad, but let him tell it. His side of the story is he wanted to affiliate for me and I shut him down. No, you wanted to steal my idea and I shut you down. And there's two different things. I feel like people come to you looking to steal your idea and they expect you to be cool with it. You're not just stealing my idea. You're taking money out of my pocket. You're taking sales out of my pocket. And so that's why I got to let you fit. You got to fend for yourself. And I wish people would see that. I don't feel like I necessarily create businesses or create ventures for that. If I happen to land in that, then so be it. But I'm not over here like, I don't have shit. Let me just go copy this person. Um, I just, I don't think it's a good business model. I mean, and I know it's not a good business model because you're going to get beat by the guru. You're going to get beat by the great. So yeah. And it's even worse if you're going to copy somebody and then go to them and tell, and ask them to tell you how to, how to do it step by step. Yep. I'm a, I'm a very competitive person. So what people don't realize is like recently on Friday or like two weeks ago, I, no, it's actually before that. Twan Kennedy, dope dude, he posted the sales that he got. Oh, like Charles, you invited Rashada? I did, yeah. Oh, shoot. I, did. <laughs> I, did. I had no idea. Hi. Tweet talk. How you doing? This Thanks is a pro- surprise. Yeah, no problem. He didn't tell me, though. He didn't tell you I was coming on? I just no. 
Charles does whatever he wants to do. Yeah, but I would, I, I would you know what? I've been thinking for a while now, like, I would love to do a podcast with you on. Yeah, for sure. Aw, well, thanks. I'm here. Bring the, book, the two um the two podcasts together, definitely. That is kind of cool. told me, though, man. <laughs> well, he just kind of um decided it, like, 10 minutes ago. Oh, all right. Yeah, no, it wasn't planned. I called him, and he was like, I'm getting on a podcast. Get on. And he sent me the link. <laughs> uh, okay, so... For the listening audience, we got a uh, little surprise thrown in here. It's your usual suspects, Raphael and Charles. You know us. You can follow Charles at Todd Billion on Twitter. You can follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. And we have a guest just popped in, walked in the door. The amazing uh, Roshana Scott, co-host of the original Todd Mini podcast, the Todd Millionaire um, podcast. You know, one of the most popular podcasts out there. Uh, welcome, Roshana. Thanks for having me. Hey, Roshana, are you on Twitter? I, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I tweet like once a week. <laughs> okay, okay. And what's your uh, what's your handle on Twitter? Roshana Scott. Okay, so at I'm, Roshana Scott. Yep, I'm the same across all platforms. Cool, and that's R-A-S-H-A-U-N-A-S-C-O-T-T. Make sure you follow Roshana on Twitter and Instagram and wherever else. Where, where else, excuse me? Facebook, LinkedIn. Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Okay, so tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Roshana. So um, I am a licensed real estate agent, I'm also an investor. I am located in Chicago. I'm born and raised in Chicago on the South Side. And um, I co-host a podcast with the wonderful Charles Oglesby. Um, also the founder of Flipping in Heels, which is an online community for women real estate investors. Um, the actual membership is called Infinity, um, and we have amazing conversations. We're um, probably about nine months in to um, that online membership, and um, it's really great. I love it. It's, it's very rewarding. Um and I'm literally seeing women go from, you know, not doing any deals to doing their first deal. Uh, you know, we talk about business credit and setting that up. So um, I have realtors in a group and, and I just wanted to create um, a community really for women in the real estate space, especially for women who um, are more than just realtors, because for a long time I felt like um, on the investing side, um, and it still is a very male-dominated space. So wanted to create um, like a sisterhood for women on the investing side. So um, that's Infinity, and yeah, that's why. So I had to button up my shirt because we got real formal right now, but. You have some fire tweets too. She doesn't tweet a lot, but when she does tweet, she drops bombs. So I have a tweet of yours and it says that your trials are harder because your calling is higher. So can you talk to us about that one? So that um, I actually saw, um, I don't know if you guys follow O'Neill Parker. He's a real estate um, entrepreneur on Instagram. 
but I actually saw him post um, pretty much that same thing on Facebook. I, I mean, on Instagram, it was it was worded a little different, um, but it really hit home because I have gone through a lot um, on the investing side as far as like working with different partnerships and, and different businesses, different investments, different properties. I've gone through a lot more than the average. Um, I'm only 28, and so I feel like I'm like 48 with all of the stresses and stuff that I've dealt with. But, you know, what I realized is that I keep getting into things because I keep like I didn't have um, like at this point in the game. And I, I feel like I probably still don't have like I, I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of associates, but I can't say I have like that one mentor who I can turn to and ask for help in this space. Um, I have a lot of colleagues, though, and I have a lot of, um, like I said, a lot of um, associates, but it's, it's been it's been a lot of trial and error. And that's how, that's how I feel, because um, when people ask me all the time, like, hey, so how did you get started in real estate? I always say trial and error, because literally it was starting and trying to figure it out. Um, and I was going through something um, that day, that week. Um, I'm sure it was something with the property that I'm trying to finish out and sell. Um, actually had a couple properties trying to get um, done with. Sold one um, this past week and got one another one I'm finishing up with. But yeah, it's a lot of just trials around it. And um, that, that just really hit home with just what I've been going through and knowing that um, you know, the, the struggles that I'm going through currently in the real estate investing side of the business, like the, the realtor side is fine. That's flourishing. And that's, um, I'm doing well there, but the investment side of the business, like people don't talk about <laughs> the failures, um, that come along with it. And, but I know for a fact, um, like I said, I know for a fact that, uh, my calling is, is so much higher, right. Than where I am right now. So, yeah, that was, I mean, that was, and, and then that's the thing too. A lot of my tweets, a lot of my uh, posts that I do on Instagram, like I'm talking to myself, right? I'm talking to myself. I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about my, where I am right now. Like if you see motivation in that, that's great, right? Because then, um, you know, and that's and that's how you build an audience and a tribe, right? You, you become relatable because you're real. So I'm not just out here posting roses and candy all day. You know, like life is about more than, um, you you know, just rainbows and, and all of that, you know, sweet stuff. So, so yeah, so that's what that was about. I was, um, I, man, I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. I mean, talking about like, I, on my very, was it the first, no, on the first investment deal, I made my money back. On the second investment deal, like I worked with um, someone who I thought I could trust, like as a mentor, um, lost $30,000 and I was like 20, I don't even know, 24, 25 maybe. And like how many 20 something euros do you know, even know who could even have that amount of money to lose, right? So the fact that I've gone through that, you know, worked with, like I said, someone who I thought could be a mentor, someone who I thought I could trust um worked with another person after that who it didn't go well work with another person after that and also I'm in a season so where I'm like I'm really 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 learning to just bet on myself like mm -hmm. at the end of the day you have to bet on yourself and some people come out the gate with that attitude but for me like I was raised in a two-parent household I was I wasn't in the streets I was like like I grew up thinking like 
oh, you know, I could do business with everybody. Like we're, we're out here just all trying to make it. We, you know, I believe that two is better than one, right? Like I don't have to make all the money. Like we could do this together. But um, a friend of mine, he says it all the time. He's like, man, I'm not hard, but the streets made me hard. So I feel like my trials are making me, you know, more into of the woman and the boss that I am and, and just who I have to become. So I know that was long winded, but yeah. <laughs> what do you got, Raphael? I have yeah, nothing so, to add to that, to that. So I was just thinking, you know, most of our guests, Charles, we have on these these boss women, and most of them are like the mid twenties. Very true. You know, but it's people think thing. like I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you heard. Uh, I'm late twenties. I'm almost twenty nine. Approaching thirty. I'm getting old. When's your birthday? September nineteen. You look like a September person. I am. You know, Virgos are great people. My sister she's is like, September 20th. She's like skipping. I'm tw- she's 28. I'm almost 29. I'm about 30. Like. <laughs> I, know, I can't right? wait I'm- to see 30 plus Rashana. I feel like if she's where she is now and she's not even 30 yet, it's like what happens when? Because 30 is different. 30 is like you see life from a different perspective. And I feel like if you're already doing such dope stuff, what can you do once you have that perspective added to what the dopest is doing? So what is the different perspective? Well, I would say that's a good question because I feel like for me, 30 came with a lot of different things and then 33 came with a lot of different things. And so my perspective now is I got to hustle for multiple people. So I got to earn money for multiple people. I can't just earn money for one individual. Um, and so well, that I well, that didn't come with age, though. That came with like responsibility. Your family. Yeah, right. responsibility. And so what I always say is that people don't grow up until they have to. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, but I still feel like it was different at 30. I feel like when you're, I feel like, okay, this is what it is. When you're 20, you feel like you just, you still have time. When you're 30, it's like, I got to get no it. No more time. It's, it's, right. Because <laughs> like when, you, when you're like in your 20s, you're like, okay, if this works out, great. If it doesn't work out, all right. When you turn 30, it's like, it's got to work. I'm yeah. not playing any more games. I'm not, this ain't play. This yeah. ain't experience, not an internship. It's not, I hope. It's like, nah, fam. Like it has to map towards something. Yeah. And that's how I'm feeling now though. So, yeah. So, Rashad, you know, so. Women, um, women, maybe women mature faster than men. Maybe that's what it, Did you say maybe? <laughs> oh boy. Here we go. I think they'd be lying. They, women. <laughs> they just women say, and that is a fact. Women mature. Because like I maturity, I think it's just different. I think it's just different. air quotes for those who Mat- can't see Maturity can't be, I like nice stuff, but you got to get it. And I feel like that's what a lot of women mature into. They're like, yeah, I'm bougie, but you got to buy the bag. Or you got to take me to dinner. Or you got to pay my car note. Like, that's not bougie. Like, that's just, I don't know. That's aspirational. That's like, it's bougie if that's your status of living. <laughs> no comment. Anyway, Raphael, what were you about to say? <laughs> I was going to say, so um, I know you heard about the Black Men Building Wealth Conference that was back in February. I did. Did Charles tell you that was my idea? Raphael thinks it's Tasha's idea. Women always take well, it. Happened, well, I, no, it happened it might have been part of her idea. It might have been part of her idea. It might have so, been. I mean, when you was, said it, when I heard you say it, I don't know what like happened was. was I started planning a conference and Charles oh, yeah, was supposed to help. I'm and a jerk. Charles I forgot said, about that. You know what? I don't really have time to help. 
So I said, okay, don't worry about it. I'm going to, you know, get some other people to help. So about a month or two later, now that it's popping and everybody's, you know, tweeting about it, he's like, hey, do you need help? <laughs> and Why I'm am like, I like nah, that? I got it. I'm good. And he said, well, forget you then. I'm going to have my own conference. You know, that's, with, the, with that's the story y'all didn't hear. <laughs> I need, I need people. Yeah, I never heard that who, one. I need people who rock with me even though I'm flawed because I'm flawed. I felt like that was like a jerk move. He just didn't like being rejected after he said, after he rejected me. Like I, I feel like Rashana tried to kind of play me. She was like, well, you can, you can pick up the trash if you want to, Todd Millie. And I was like, bro, like, I can do a lot more than pick up trash. Like, you to pick up trash. I, I said, we have all the responsibilities allocated out. Like, I, I mean, we two months into planning now. So I don't really know what you can do. I mean, I would love your help. Let's figure it out. And he was like, nah, forget it. <laughs> and then she and she picked like a bunch of people that I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to uh, go there. Everybody's going to go But anywho, so that's, that's the untold story. So I'm glad we are having this conversation on uh, yeah, I did not Sweet know Talk that. Uncut. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the uh, podcast with our first guest, Natasha Kennard, and out of nowhere, he said, we're going to put on a, a conference, the Black Man Building Wealth Conference. And I'm sitting there like... Yeah, he had just talked to me the day before, that's why. It was probably a combination <laughs> of different things, yeah. In my head, I'm like, huh? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. But and, you got to create stuff, man. And I feel like, I, I feel like, one thing that I tried to do in my conference is I didn't want to do what she's doing. So I wanted my focus to be such that it's a, it could succeed and hers could succeed standing alone. And I feel like that's where we have to kind of be as a people where it's not like, I'm going to just take your idea and execute it faster. No, it's like, I'm going to take my idea, execute it, and all while saying, hey, you could still win too. That's how thriving economies exist. That's how communities exist, where it's not pitting one against the It's not a competition. I, at least I didn't see it as a competition. Okay. Did you see it as a competition? No, no, no. Of course not. I was happy for you, for sure. Yeah. Like, I love, you know, the Black man building well. I think it goes along with the bless of Black man, like, just everything you're about and what you do. Yeah, no. Of course not. Yeah, the thing is, I was going to say, like, we don't have problems with, like, the boss women. Like, they all rock with us on our podcast, but then, like, on Instagram and stuff, they see the, the, the flyer, they're like, what about the women? And we're like, well... We focusing on men because women have so many events. That's all it is. Women have so many events geared specifically towards them. Yeah, I would say the the women who make those comments, they must not they don't have enough going on. And that's that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean if you think about it, like it I, I'm happy for the guys, you know, to be doing an event. I support it. You know, I've shared it many a times, right? So um, I'm, I'm with it for sure. Yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing. And, of course, let me know how I can support. It's so funny because I got that phone call. And I listened to – once we had to go back into the office, I had to listen to Eric Thomas. I had to get myself pumped up. <laughs> and he always talks about, like, the sacred circle. And he's like, if somebody from the sacred circle calls, you got to pick up. So I didn't pick up that call. But um, it didn't go through for some reason. So is that why you don't pick up my calls? Um, you call at very unique times. Rashada will call you when you're recording a podcast. It's always when I'm recording a podcast. It's never any other time. <laughs> she knows, like, why are you doing a podcast without me, man? Just <laughs> feel it. So sacred, Charles, sacred circle. That's deep, though. Can you send me that? Um, that well, I guess I'll YouTube it. Sacred circle. 
from yeah. by ET. Can you send that to me? I want to listen to it. It's somewhere. I got to I have to take a small break though. I'm sorry guys. Give me like 10 minutes. I okay. Should we keep here. going? Yeah, that's right. fine. That's cool. Okay. Keep going. All right, so Rashawn, um how long you I've got two questions for you. How long have you been a real estate agent? And also, how long have you been a real estate investor? Good question. So um, I first got my license in 2013, and I was just a leasing agent. So in Chicago, um, well, in Illinois, we have three different licenses. So you can be a um, leasing agent, or you can, well, you just work with landlords and tenants. You can be a... um, a real estate broker or a real estate agent where you can do everything, sales and, and everything. Um, or you can own your own brokerage, which is a managing broker's license. So, um, but you have to have, you have to be a broker for two years before you can actually get your managing broker's license. But the first time I got licensed, I just wanted to get my feet wet in real estate. And I already had a love and a passion for real estate. I knew a little bit about real estate and getting my leasing license was the easiest way. It was, um, it was inexpensive and it was maybe like a one day course and it was very simple. So I did that in 2013 and I did that for about a year. And hey, I was real, like, real, real quick, I'm sorry. Um, can you just explain real quick what a leasing agent is? Cause I've heard the term, but I'm not sure. What yeah. Where you lease properties. So you work with landlords and tenants only. You only work with, you do not sale property. You don't work with oh, sales okay. because there's a, another level of education and, and confusion. <laughs> Oh, I should say confusion, but there's another level of, um, definitely there's another level of work that goes into selling properties when you're working with buyers and sellers versus landlords and tenants, right? Um, so it's, it's very, it's easier and it's, and it's simpler. Um, when you're just a leasing agent and a lot of people when they are just getting started um, usually younger folks but um, it doesn't matter any age but some people when they're just getting started because it is the easiest and the um, the cheapest license to get a lot of people do start there and then they move up they graduate up so there's more schooling with sales there's you know more tests there's um, but there's bigger commissions right when you're working in sales um, but yeah so I did leasing for about a year and I was not making enough money, but I also, I did it on the side. I was working full time and I was in school full time and I was leasing properties on the side. Um, so my first year I made maybe like 6,000 or maybe like 6,500 bucks, um, on the side as a side, side hustle, um, which was cool. You know, I guess it wasn't bad, you know, my first year as a leasing agent, but, um, I also was with a brokerage at the time that charged a lot of money in fees. And I didn't realize or understand the differences in like fees that these companies were charging. And so after I made that money, you know, I can't even remember how much I paid out in fees, but it was enough to where sometimes, some months, I was paying out fees and I hadn't closed any deals. And so, um, yeah, so I, so, I, so I did that for 2013, did that for a year. And then I actually went and got, um, I invested into a guru program in 20. 14, um, I invested $20,000 into a guru program and that started like my investing journey. So learning about all of the different niches inside of real estate. So um, auctions, probate, tax liens, wholesaling, fix and flip, buy and hold, you know, so just like like the educational component of real estate. Um, and then my very first investment deal was in 2015. Someone allowed me the opportunity to invest in their deal as a private investor. So I was able to um, just write a check, put my money in, and then in 12 months, I got my money back. 
And so that was that. And um, and so after that, did some more on investing and then also went back to real estate school and got my broker's license. So now I do sales. Um, and that was in 2017. So, yeah, so it's been, um, you know, some back and forth over the past seven years, pretty much. I want to say, um, because, you know, there are a lot of people that do, that are real estate agents and they do mm-hmm. it for a long time, but they don't have any investments. Mm-hmm. Like, what was it that made you really say, like, I got to get on the other side? Well, you know what? I knew from the beginning um, that the other side was the better side, but I didn't really have a a good blueprint, a roadmap on how to get on the other side. And so just to me, the idea of taking a course and taking a test and getting licensed and being able to make money, like that was a simple concept that I can understand. The investing thing, it it took some time to figure it out. But again, I always knew that that was the better side. And then um, by reading books, reading books, going to workshops, going to seminars, I was doing all of that stuff early. Um, And that also helped me understand that the investing side was the better side. Um, I remember being in high school and um, I was introduced to the concept of uh, financial freedom. And I talk about this all the time on plenty other podcasts where I say, you know, I met a guy who owned a vending machine. It was a career day um, at school. And I owned, you know, met a guy who owned 400 vending machines across the city of Chicago. And he's, you know, specifically said that, um, but he also was a manager at AT&T. And he said, even though I work for AT&T, I don't depend on them to provide for me and my family. Um, like I said, I shared this story, you know, over and over again. Um, but and so even though he, he I feel said, like we, I don't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just walk past that principle because it's a very strong principle because mm-hmm. we, we talk about that. It's like you can work a job, but you can't expect the job to create wealth for your family. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, no idea where he is today. Um, but I tell that story over and over again in hopes that he might hear it one day and say like, hey, that was me um, and, and reach out. So because that would be pretty cool because he kind of, like I said, sparked the um, the whole concept of financial freedom in my mind. Um, but like I said, but even after that, knowing, like I said, I just, I knew that in the investing side was the better side, but it was also the harder side. And like I said, as far as being a realtor, I understood the concept of taking a class, taking a test, getting a license, making money. The investing side, it was like, there is no book to it. Really? You know, again, trial and error. I'm sorry. I said there's so many avenues and ways to do it. Even if you in rentals, you could do there's just so many different options. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I will say too, um, that's one main thing that sets me apart from um, a lot of other real estate agents. Um, a lot of clients I attract who already are investing or want to invest because I have investment knowledge and experience. And there are other agents who have absolutely no idea about anything about investing. Um, so 80% of my clients actually are investors. Um, and whether that is from the investment standpoint of um, like the house hacking perspective, because I look at them, I consider them investors, right? Or whether that's from the um, out-of-state investors, you know, have, uh, or fix and flip investors or buy and hold investors or conventional investors. 
Um, but you know, you attract what you put out, but that's definitely one of the things that sets me apart from, um, a lot of my colleagues. One of your tweets said entrepreneurs celebrate independence every day. And you Mm -hmm. tweeted that on the 4th of July. Can you talk about that one? I did. Yeah. I mean, um, the 4th of July. So a week prior to that was actually my one year full-time entrepreneurship anniversary. Um, so June 25th, it was like 25th to 26th. I have to go back to last year. Um, but you know, and a friend actually asked me today because we were talking about um, getting buying properties and financing using your W-2 versus your 1099 and that whole thing. And we were talking about that. And he, he asked me, um, because I don't know if I've shared this story a lot, but before I quit my job, um, the plan was for me to buy property. I went under contract on three different properties over the course of like six months. And it they, they it, the deals didn't go through for whatever reason. One of them, like the pipes bursted and it was just crazy. And another one, the the owner was upside down and didn't know it. It was just crazy. It was just it was situations that were out of my control. And so um, I got a sign that when it was time to go, like I just had to go, right? Um, but yes. And he asked he my friend that I was talking to today and, and sharing a story with. Um, he asked, you know, would I do I regret it? And I was like, absolutely not, absolutely not. I would not go back, you know, to work for another person, you know, if I could help it. So no, I don't regret it. So yes, entrepreneurs celebrate independence every day because you get to do you know what you want to do how you want to do it when you want to do it um you may not want to do it or you may not feel like doing it but regardless you know you have to do it because it is what it is right like you've built it and now you got to sustain it and you got to keep going um and there's so much reward on the other side and you know there's so much reward through that struggle i think that is one of the things that sets entrepreneurs in um, successful entrepreneurs apart from want, entrepreneurs, right? Or want, want, how do you say it? I guess I said it right. Want, want entrepreneurs, whatever. Um, the fact that you don't give up, you know, because you're going to you're gonna go through hell <laughs> a lot of times. And, I feel um, like you, you said something um, that I think is important, and I don't think a lot of people really get this, is like when you're an entrepreneur, you get paid to get it right, but you get paid well when you get it right. When you're on the job and you get it right, it doesn't really change your income. You just they just tell you like you should think you got a job. Right. So you might get a pat on the back. Mm-hmm. And so like if you get my it wrong, job, I remember like and then what made it even worse was I had a micromanager. I had a petty manager towards the end of my um nine to five or shit. <laughs> I had the most petty manager to where I would go to the bathroom and I would come back and there'd be a note on my desk like see me when you get back with a timestamp on it. Like that's how petty my manager was. And but at the same time, I was hustling, so I didn't care because I knew I was on my way out. Um, and you know, my counterparts were, would get up and they would take a five minute, they would take five smoke breaks a day, you know. But when I get up to go and take a phone call or something, it, it was a problem. Um, but I was taking that phone call because I was also doing business and I was building mm-hmm. my business, so my exit strategy was definitely in place, like it got to a point to where my my job was getting in the way of my business. So I quit. And I, I feel like I say this a lot 
I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, but I feel like in a certain way, being an employee is kind of white supremacy. Like you fall into white supremacy because you have these people who Dane says aren't bosses, they're supervisors, but they act like bosses. And so they're treating you as though they're superior to you when really they don't run shit. They just act as though they run shit. Absolutely. So it can really be demeaning when you're being demeaned by somebody who didn't do what it takes to even qualify them to have that opinion about you. So for me, it's like, I always, I don't, I don't, I haven't told people this, but like me working in the firm that I work in took my business to the next level. Why? Because I worked for a boss who marketed his face off. He wasn't the, he's not the best lawyer. He's not anything of the sort. He didn't go to the best law school, but he has billboards on straight down the five freeway. He has commercials on every channel. He has a space on everything. And I realized that's how I need to approach business. And that's how I started running my business. I was like, I'm running an ad 10 times a day. I'm going to put out an ad on this page, this page, this page, this page. I started running my business like that. And the beauty in that is that I'm learning from a boss. I'm not learning from the person who he hired because the person that he hired treated me the way that Rashana was treated when she was at her job, where they're texting like, well, why aren't you here? It's 830 or what's going on? And it can be, deme- it's frustrating, but to a boss, it's actually motivating. It's like, bro, like I got to get it because I'm not going to let this random person here talk to me like this and treat me like this when they didn't earn the right. And I can't learn anything from them to actually take my life to where I want it to be. Not to where they are, because a lot of them ain't living how you want to live. Your supervisor uh-huh. is driving a Prius, is barely struggling to get by, paycheck to paycheck. And you want to work 10 years to get to that? I'm not working 10 years to get a Lexus truck. I'm working 10 years to get a Rolls Royce truck. <laughs> if I'm chasing somebody, then I'm chasing that. I'm not chasing Lexus truck. <laughs> so switch gears a little bit. Charles, you said... I'm really interested in this one. You said poor folks will start speaking on millions and ruin the whole project. Um, I, I think that it's not like crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, it really, in my opinion, it had to do with the whole, I was, I was skimming Twitter or Instagram today and I saw a post on Tulsa and somebody was like, did y'all get y'all dividends from the company that started in 2018? And I was like, are y'all stupid? Or are you dumb? Because you don't expect a company to pay dividends when they're a year and a half old. Google pays no dividends. Amazon pays no dividends. Tesla pays no dividends. Your investment is in the growth of that organization. My problem is people will confidently speak as though they're owed something and they'll be blatantly wrong. And then they will tear down somebody in the process. They will literally tell you he ain't nothing, he whack, and he's doing what every single startup CEO does. They have companies, Uber, all these startups that you see that are publicly traded and they don't make a dime. They literally have not turned a profit yet. Uber on everybody's cell phone, just delivered my food 10 minutes ago, doesn't even turn a profit. You know what their investors say? Either they love it and they're willing to wait for it to turn a profit or like, I'm gonna sell the share. But not over here like, man, Uber whack, it's a scam, it's this, Uh, it's that. And that's why I say it's like, that's one of the downsides of crowdfunding. And it's one of the reasons why I'm kind of trying to steer out of it. I told people, I was like, if y'all want to buy out, I'll buy y'all right now. I'm trying to buy out everybody. And people who will stay understand what we're trying to do. People that want to go, they can go. And I feel like in a certain respect, that's kind of what Jay should do. It's like, if y'all don't understand the long-term vision, then go. But you're not going to hang around with your bad attitudes and your bad comments 
creating more people that would be mad. And you don't even understand business. It's not even like we're having an intelligent conversation about this. It's people who were just like, I mean, if it's a business, it should pay dividends. Like, no, if, if you if you actually ran a business, you would know that's not how it works. If you've actually invested in a project, you would know that's not how it works. And that's why those of us who get it should be partnering. And that's why they have these, these things that we kind of can feel like maybe shut African-American people out. It's like, no, it's not necessarily African-Americans that are shutting out. They're just shutting out people who are going to ruin the project. And you can't have a project that's successful if you have people who are speaking negatively against it. The energy is just as important as the money. People think it's just money that we're lacking. No, it's the energy that we need just as much as the money. Can you say Rashad? She's not, she's not controversial. I agree. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we got to give people space to breathe, man. And whether that's a guru, this guru, that we got to give people space to breathe. Um, I've saw so many people that like had negative comments to say, and it's like, just build your own. Keep your comments to yourself. Share your courage, not your fear. Don't share what could go wrong. Share your possibilities or be quiet because we already got too many people speaking negatively about what we're trying to do. It already exists. Right, but you know, those are the people that aren't going to build their own. They don't have the gut or the wherewithal to build their own, so they criticize others. But the problem is then we like to get on here and all talk about Black Lives Matter. It's like, mm-hmm. shouldn't Black Lives Matter? It's like, Black Lives shouldn't just matter when it comes to cops. We should make sure Black Lives Matter when it comes to Black business, when it comes to Black families, when it comes to Black everything. It Absolutely. should be like, you know what? Brother, your business might have some struggles. How can I help you? Not your business has some struggles, so you a scammer. Like, are you, like, what are we doing? We assassinate our own and then blame them. When, if you look at the statistics, we kill our own at a more rapid rate than they kill us. Statistically speaking, we kill more of us faster than the cops kill us. We kill more of our businesses faster than they kill us by not giving us loans by day. Like, I, honestly, I don't get a lot of slander from the Caucasian side of money Twitter. It's the ghetto side of wealth Twitter that I get the slander from. So... Uh. It just is what it is. I just, I don't, like, my thing is, I just want us to move right. I don't, I'm not for or against people. I'm for or against action. I'm for or against mindsets. People are people. But if we want what we say we want, we got to move that way. The world doesn't care about what you want. The the world cares about what you do. What actions are you putting out there? What words are you putting out there? They don't care about your signs and your protests. What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Because it, do, it does not make sense to put up a sign for some stranger you didn't know and then walk past African-American men in downtown LA every single day. It makes no sense. That's a black life and it should matter. I do my, I, I make this, I, I, I show black lives that they matter every day, not just during tragedy. Uh, no you know what I really don't like now you're talking about this? I mean, it's not exactly what you're talking about, but I just realized now as you were talking that I see it mostly black women doing it to other black women. When a black woman is trying to promote her product or her business and somebody will come and say, oh, she got that on AliExpress for this much, for two ninety nine each, and now she's trying to sell it for 20 bucks. And I hate that kind of stuff, man. Why you, like... I wow. feel like oh, you're frozen. And she was talking about somebody. I'm frozen. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. So I was because we always we live and die by the investing women model. Like if you work with women, for the most part, women want to see you win. They're willing to get on the team and hustle alongside of you. But I've I've heard I can't say I've experienced this, but I've heard that women be beefing with other women because I guess it like becomes a kind of competition or something. 
Can you speak on that, Regina Scott? I don't feel like you've experienced that, but apparently Sierra has. <laughs> so, so going back to investing in women, you're talking about men investing in women, right? Mm-hmm. So I agree, right? A hundred percent wholeheartedly, um, but also invest in the right woman, right? Um, not just investing in women, because you can invest in the wrong woman and that go wrong. Right. So, um, you know, whether it's a friend, whether it's, a, you know, a significant other, um, your spouse, um, I mean, because women are nurtures by nature, that is natural for us, that's in our DNA. So anything we touch, um, a good woman, um, we are going to grow and nurture it, right, and, and make it better. And sometimes that is men um, and, and or businesses or, or whatever the case, right? So we, we multiply. Um, to speak on women be beefing, um, is that true? <laughs> to some capacity, <laughs> to some capacity, but also, like, there's you know, before I, before I touch on that, there's definitely um, collaboration over competition that happens too. So, for example, Michelle McAllister, uh, she runs her page is called Landlord and Stilettos, and she and I just collaborated. Two strangers, she's in Philly, I'm in Chicago. Um, we comment and share each other's um, content all the time, and she just DM me and was like, "Hey, how you doing? Let's let's hop on a call." And, you know, I see what she's doing. I support what she's doing. We hopped on a call. Next thing you know, we were doing an IG live together. Next thing you know, we did an event and made money together. Never even met each other. And two strong black women within the same industry um, who share the same audiences. We both have investment groups. I mean, membership groups. Like, we both have kind of the, the same products. So any other woman would see the other as being competition. But it's like, hey, you have a platform, I have a platform. You put out great content, I put out great content. You have a following, I have a following. You know yourself, I know myself. Let's, you know, when you're strong in who you are, like you don't look at other people as competition because you know what you're bringing to the table is what you are bringing to the table. And anybody that you're going to collaborate with, they have to meet or exceed that or it's not worth your time. Um, So to go to the whole... um, you know, women not liking one another. I don't know what that is. It's, it's unfortunate, and but it happens. It's 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 cattiness. It is um. What do you feel like hating for no do you reason. Feel like it's the, the exception to the rule. Like, do you feel like you get more love than you get hate? We're just focusing on the hate. I definitely get more love than I get than I get hate because I put out a lot of love. Like that's just who I am. And sometimes I'm overwhelmed by the amount of people who DM me saying, you know you've helped me you inspire me you motivate me I'm just like you know I, I get taken back by it sometimes and I'm just like wow but that's who I am right that's what I put out um and if people are hating on me like you know it's on the low I don't really know um and and it's not even what I'm focused on or paying attention to 
So, you, you know, but do women get into it? Do women not like other women for whatever reason? Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I would say people are just people in that regard because, like, it's dudes that don't like me and it's some women who don't like me. So I can't really say it's just the dudes, but sometimes it's the women who think they're dudes. And women who think they're dudes are the kind of women that you should not invest in because they're competition. They want to run off with your idea, too. So there's a difference. Most people wouldn't say that. But one thing I was going to say, I was listening to Dr. Dr. Boyce Watkins today. All I really do is listen. I was thinking about this. I was like, the reason why I watch this stuff is because I want to get better at business. Like I'm studying business all the time. And as I talk about that comment, well, two comments, Dr. Boyce Watkins is talking about how like there's who you are and there's who you want to be. And a woman will push you through getting to where you want to be. And sometimes you can't do it on your own, but a woman will get you to that point. And I find that to be true because a lot of the things that I do, I couldn't do without that support. The other thing that I was going to talk about that Dame Dash was talking about is doing business all the time. Somebody made a comment, I think Nori on Drink Champs, and he was like, dang, you're just good at, you're just good at business. How do you get so good at business? He's like, I do business all the time. That's what I do. Like, if you do it all the time, you're going to be good at doing business all the time. And so I was like, that's why Roshana, when she quit her job, she maybe was able to take it up to another level with her realtor business and her investment business. It's like when you focus on that all the time, it's not what you're fitting in. It's not like I got to give them my best hours and then hopefully fit in some business on top of that. And I'm going to hope that I can be good. Like if LeBron James worked a job and then had to go play basketball after hours, do you think he'd be the GOAT? No, he'd be the GOAT at making pizza or whatever people who would know the grades do. And so I just had to make that comment because I, I wanted to make that comment about doing business all the time. I should get that on the shirt. Rashana, you had a tweet. It said, education is selling. Well, I had a tweet and I quoted you. Can you talk about that? Um, yeah, educating and selling. So a lot of people ask, um, how do I grow my followers? <laughs> how do I get more followers? I hate that question. Um, but I tell people uh, content and consistency. Content and consistency content and consistency so putting out good content um but then also being consistent with the content that you put out but then also the type of content that you're putting out how are you helping people how are you educating people um when i started to educate more people my business exploded um so just educating people on um whatever it is that you're selling right the ins the outs the ups the downs the how to's the do's the don'ts um because it uh, not only engages more people it evokes conversation um people want to ask questions they want to find out more they want to click the link in your bio and schedule a consultation they want to work with you um it gets them more intrigued and more involved um and then they look at you as a resource like you want to give so much free information that it would be a no-brainer for them to hire you. It would be a no-brainer for them to work with you. Like, it's almost disrespectful that they don't work with you or that they don't buy your product or course or whatever it is that you put out because they have gotten so much from you already. And for mm -hmm. whatever reason, we want to hold back everything that we have and not share with people. Like, I got a girlfriend right now, and I just keep beating her over the head, but she's going to get it one day. Um, nobody knows who she is or what she does. She wants to start a new business and all of that is good and fine and dandy. She wants to quit her nine to five. She has these grand, grand dreams. And she's right now having a debate on her very first product video series. She's like, should I put it out as a freebie or should I charge people for it? And I was like, 
People don't even know who you are. People don't even know if they should spend their money with you. People don't even know what you're talking about. I was like, that absolutely has to and needs to be a freebie. And then, of course, the rule of selling, you can upsell from there. But you have to provide enough content and information to give people a reason to spend their money with you. And don't forget, we're in the day and age of YouTube University. What what you charging for, I'm pretty sure they can go and fab for free. So you have to... Um, I tell people, you got to become that SME, right? You have to position yourself as a subject matter expert, you know, get on top of that brand awareness and that brand recognition. So people will look at you as the go-to period point blank. Like when people are, especially my out-of-state clients, like they're, they look me up and they're like, man, you are the go-to realtor in Chicago. And I'm like, okay, that's sad. (laughs) I feel feel like that relates to what I was talking about earlier. It's like, you don't just land on Gumroad. You got to put out some free stuff. Like, quite honestly, the course that I'm selling, I gave away for free like two years ago. But like, you have to get that brand footprint. And Mm -hmm. then you can charge for this. The world is so big. People are so focused on their little thousand followers. And they don't realize there's people out there with millions of followers. So you might have to give away whatever you have for free in the beginning to even become relevant and on people's radar. Exactly. And we've all done it. Like you go to the food court in the malls and the malls are open and they say, you want fried chicken? Or what do they say? You want orange chicken? You want orange chicken? And you get your sample of orange chicken. Like, I like this orange chicken. You got to give people some samples of you. And it's, it's funny because people just don't get it. But hopefully when they see the success of people who are doing it, then they can say, okay, like I said, you don't start, don't study what I'm doing now. Study what I was doing four years from now when I had a free group doing this, when I was hosting free conference calls, when I had, like we did free conference calls before the Thai Capital Options Committee ever existed. So all the money I'm making right now, I'm just getting all that money back. So it might look like I'm making crazy money now, but like, no, divide that by four years. Let's talk to him. I love it. And I also love the, uh, <laughs> the, um, the orange chicken reference. You got to give people free samples of you. That was good. Yeah. yeah. Pause. As Dame Dash would say, pause. What do you got, Raphael? And you said, Charles, stack products on top of your time. Man, I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know, we all have time. So if you're just trading your time for money, that's like the lowest common denominator of an exchange. So I can take that same time that I have and sell something or promote something or advertise something. And that's going to amplify the money that I make in that time. So for example, I've gone, I had, I created like a screenshot of something I did and I made like a thousand dollars in that hour. And I was like, that's crazy because a job is going to pay you a fraction of that. And so I say that to encourage people, if all you're getting paid for is your time, you are taking an L. Like there's so much more you could be doing in that time besides just existing. If you're just existing, you're going to make $25, $30 an hour. But once you start to put more stuff on top of your time in terms of products, services, because if you're, if you can add a service to that time, now you say, okay, well, I'm a contractor. I do windows. I can charge you 340 bucks an hour. I'm a lawyer. I can charge you 340 bucks an hour. Like your time is the lowest common number. And even at that, at, at that level, if you are a lawyer and you're only getting paid 300 bucks per hour, but they're billing you out at 1200 bucks an hour, you're still taking an L. You got to get that full meal. You need every single dollar that you can get for your time. You need to be getting it. And you're going to get that by specializing, getting a skill, by becoming rare, and also by selling things. Like I just, I, I've been realizing these things as I just give it thought. Like it's kind of like 
when Rashana was talking about how like when she's tweeting, she's really tweeting for herself. I'm tweeting for myself. I'm like, bro, there was a time I worked a part-time job on a weekend and I looked at the W-2 and I was like, I was really giving y'all every weekend of the entire year to make that much money and I just made it in a day? That's crazy. That's insane. But then you start to look at like the time for the money exchange. Just the whole purpose of this, I, this even point is stop trading your time for money. Stop giving away your 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 time for money and find better ways. Whatever that way it looks like, find that way. Mm-hmm. What's the next tweet? Because she's probably on a break right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me find it. I was about to hit, hit put one on hers, but try to step away. Okay, so you said I was going to say this earlier, but the ideas we come up with, the wealthy have been executed on those. Man, I was my these days. My thoughts consist of how can I turn money into cash flow not how can i buy things with money and I st- you start doing stuff like you start thinking like bro like if you have x amount of dollars you can create cash and not even take any risk and the cash is still there and that idea is foreign to a lot of people because most people don't have that much money and so the idea of putting two hundred thousand into something and getting paid two thousand dollars a month, they're like, that'll be great, but they don't have two hundred thousand dollars. So I'm just gonna go to work and make my little two thousand dollars. And so that idea is one thing that I realized, but also just like buying assets for your children or creating wealth for your children. Or because like my son is like, it's cool that we have the ability to pay for private school by buying a vending machine route or by buying a rental property or by buying a duplex. And you start to think like that's how the wealthy always been moving. They've always just bought homes for their kids, put things in trust. Instead of hustling for your kids, you build a business for your kids. You acquire an asset for your kids and you can give them the life that they want. Like you never have to worry about anything. He doesn't have to worry about any money because I got an affiliate business that generates $4,000 a month. I just pass that to him. That just funds the savings account, which also isn't going to fund his investments and his acquisitions from that. And so when you start to become like enlightened, it's like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Like Rich Dad Poor Dad wasn't teaching us a novel concept. He was teaching us what they've been doing. And so we're just late to the party. Welcome to the party that the rich people have been having for the longest time. And I don't say that to necessarily knock anybody. I'm just saying like, I say it because sometimes it cannot seem real. It can not seem real that you can do these things you're just like we're supposed to just struggle and send our kids to school where we struggle and know like once you become enlightened you're like bro like i can do all this stuff you're like i can really do this you don't really believe that you can do it until you do it like i didn't really believe this company was going to send me twelve hundred dollars in dividends until they did it and now they did i'm like i gotta get more of that stuff but it's like yeah. when you are not of that ilk is that a word ill? I think that's like a, we are not of that, that, that group of people who make money off of their money. You think all you can do is go to work and make money. But then when you start to realize there's people out there who will get a life insurance policy and fund some stuff, there's people out there who will get some bonds and fund some stuff. You're like, bro, like wealth is unlimited. It's only the, the difference between you and wealth is your mindset. What can you conceive? And once you get past that gap, you can't be touched. That's that's where Chris is at. Speaking of wealth, Rashani, you had a you had a a tweet that I think is it's kind of funny because uh, let's just, let me just say the tweet. So you had a tweet. You had your pin tweet says 2020 smelled like a whole lot of wealth creation. And I think when you put that around the time you put that tweet out, everybody liked that. That, that kind of message and similar messages on Instagram or what's not like, oh, 2020 smells like a lot of black millionaires and all this stuff. Everybody was uh-huh. hoorah. And then COVID-19 hit and now it's like... it's a great question, Raphael. People are quiet. I mean, what do you see? 
I think the people who are quiet are the people who aren't making money. Um, you know what? I also had that same conversation today. Someone asked me, um, did the pandemic hurt or help my business? And the pandemic exploded my business. Um, but irregardless, another thing the pandemic did to help was it helped me slow down so I could speed up. So I took about a week um, during the downtime and the slow time um, and really worked on getting my systems in order. So like I set up a lot of automations um, within my business and I custom built like my system um, to further aid in the customer service that I give to my clients. And again, it just helps automate everything in, in my business and getting that system in order. There's no way I would have been take, been able to take on, um, the volume, you know, of business and clients that I have now. There's absolutely no way I would have been running around like crazy, not knowing what's what, but with that, um, I definitely still feel like 2020 smells like a lot of wealth creation. Um, there was definitely some uncertainty, right? Um, and we all, every single, I don't think there's not one person on this earth who didn't feel uncertain um, just at, at any given time during the pandemic. Um, but what remained was at the end of the day, especially entrepreneurs, like, okay, well, business is still going. Life is still happening. So I got to keep moving. I got to keep hustling the, the way I, the same way I know how. Um, so, yeah. I feel like the problem with being new to money is you don't even know what wealth creation looks like. You just be out there thinking you know what wealth creation looks like. Not knowing that when you run into a situation like this, that's where the money's made. People are like, Jeff Bezos is worth like 70 billion more than before. Elon Musk is worth multiple billions more. He passed Warren Buffett. And so what my my perspective was, and Rashana knows this, it's like we ran into COVID and I was like, what are we going to do? Keep hustling, keep grinding, keep promoting, keep building. And I feel like when you like when you don't have wealth, you think it's all roses and all daisies. And I saw somebody make a post and they were talking about how like Madam CJ Walker made her money during the Spanish flu. And the crazy part about it is That was me, that was my post. I think I didn't want to give you the credit until you said it. But like <laughs> A lot of us have the ability to get talent at discount. Sheridan works for me and Sheridan is way more qualified to work to, to work for me. Um, and so it's like, she's helping my business grow. And I tell people, it's like the first million is the hardest, but the second, the, 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 the next 10, I got people now. I got folks doing stuff now. It's a lot easier to do it when you can hire somebody and pay them 25 grand for the next year. And that doesn't really hurt your budget, but now you got somebody just on the phones constantly on the phones and if they're not on the phone, it's a problem. Like that's when you, when you really get that deal flow up. And so I think that 2020 does smell like a lot of them. And I've seen it. I've seen people killing it on the e-com. Like I'm not even talking about like the people that we know I'm talking about. There's a girl that sells jewelry. There's a girl that sells clothes. There's girls selling eyelashes. A lot of it's girls. Of course, Dantes is killing it. Like we got to see every situation as an opportunity and not just the, the favorable ones, quote, favorable ones. Every day that you wake up is a day to get it. 
I don't care what they say. If they tell you that we can't get money, people have said that. People like, it's people out here selling products and we in a pandemic. Like, do y'all want us to be broke? If you are last place in the wealth race, every day is a day to get it. Every day. Tory Lane, she was like, man, something on the lines of like, we we dead last. So like any hustle that people are coming up with, I'm supporting it. People over here talking down the next man. It's like if they add value, I saw something, somebody post, and Rashad if I had this conversation, but I saw somebody post like, oh, guru sells course after three deals. I'm like, let that man do what he's doing. And if you can do it better, do it better. But I don't want to see anybody knocking down the next man because you don't even know what kind of impact that guy could be having, but you're shutting him down before he gets started. And I think that's whack, especially with where we are. That should drive more innovation, not slander. We should be pushing the next person ahead, not pulling other people down. And I'm like, that's what we do. We see somebody inching out and we're like, pull them down. Like, you don't even know. People trying to pull me down, you don't know how many people I pay. My payroll is nuts. Like, I pay nuts. But like, if you hate on me, you hating don't hate on jobs. And who even knows where we're going next? You're hating on a lot of other stuff. So it's like, who are we to to make those comments, man? We we folks ain't the end all be all. Folks ain't sitting here. Even if they even if they are, I'm I'm the kind of person like even if Warren Buffett says like I don't care what Warren Buffett got to say. Warren Buffett ain't paying my bills. He ain't showing up. Talking about Charles, since you believe in what I got to say, here's a check. No, I got to execute on my beliefs, not on Warren Buffett's beliefs. Yeah, and I think the thing with that is, like you said, being able to recognize the opportunity and knowing that there is opportunity in missed opportunity. Um, So seeing where you can fit in, where you can stand out, where you can come in and make something better. Um, And like you said, people are killing it in the e-com business. So that really was the thing, right? Oh, we in a pandemic. Oh, we are um, stuck at home. (laughs) So how do you sell? How do you make money? You get in front of people. I remember literally Mm -hmm. doing a post inside of my, I mean, not doing a post, doing a session inside of my women's group um, when the pandemic hit. And literally, I was talking about pivoting. I was talking about everyone is online, everyone is on at home. Put put yourself out there, market. Like that was the conversation that I was having, and this was early on in the pandemic. When when again, there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of you know, what are we going to do or what's going to happen, and you don't know. Um, you know, you have people losing loved ones. I mean, it's, it was definitely a scary time, but. At the end of the day, like Charles said, you got to keep going. You got to keep hustling. Um, and then also being able to pivot, meaning um, switch up quickly and adapt to what's going on. Um, you know, yeah. I agree. Facts on facts on facts, Raphael. What you got? We got to fire him off. We're trying to, she's going on a boat later. So we got to get her out of here. Oh, okay. Okay. Charles, <laughs> you, said, you said earn your goal. Um, well, first off, I didn't get to golf because I have this and then I have another call at eight o'clock. So I guess I did earn my golf. But the goal was to earn golf in the morning because golf in the morning costs twice as much as golf during the daytime call. Um, and so I was hustling on Saturday, putting that stuff out in the vending machine. And then I went to my office and I got some packages shipped out and continue to work some deals, working on doing some funding because the goal is to get into flipping as opposed to rental, long term rentals. And I was like, you know, all the hustling I'm doing, I got to reward myself. I can't be out here hustling just for the sake of like working my body down and so i was like you don't get to go golfing charles unless you earn it and as as a boss like you have to like you can't you just because it's a weekend doesn't mean you stop and i feel like as employees it's like oh they take stuff for granted and so they're like oh it's the weekend so i'm gonna just go ahead and play me some golf like no i gotta earn every luxury that i have 
And I feel like if you take that approach, you'll put more effort into your work as opposed to just acting as though you're entitled to it because it's a Sunday. And so that's, for me, that was, <laughs> it was me pushing, pushing myself to go get it. And because it's not easy doing that stuff, especially when you feel like you're a boss. It's not easy going, driving around, lugging these snacks around, putting these chips in the machine. It's like, bro, I should be doing way different stuff. But I realized like for the first year, I might have to be in the business because it's a new business to me. And then after that, then I can start working on the business, start bringing people in. But if you don't know it, you don't just get to kind of immediately jump to boss, to, to boss, I don't do the work status. You got to kind of be in it before you can work on it. Absolutely. And I mean, it's one thing to be a boss, but then it's another thing to be a leader, right? And how are you going to lead your team if you don't even know your own business? So I, I, I mean, you do it, you're definitely doing the right thing. Um, but yeah, you got to get over that feeling of, like you said, oh, it's hard to do and you don't want to do it. But another decision of being a boss is being wise enough to know that it's not time yet to bring somebody mm-hmm. in to do that for you. Excellent facts, facts. Rafael, what do you got? Yeah, so Charles, you said life gets easier when you start treating Saturday like a day off. And it's funny, as you were talking just now, I was thinking weekends are like a new invention in the history of mankind, right? I mean, when people were farmers, there was no, well, it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. You could put the, um, the whole, not the whole, the whole. Hold on, man. I, I missed the beginning of that because I had to take my ear pods out. Oh, I was saying weekends are kind of like a new invention as far as mankind goes. I agree. You know, so people always want to talk about. Wait, you know, what? You said weekends are a new invention. Yeah, I mean, what does you that think mean? About before, I think he's like, right. before, before like the certain rights, labor rights, people were hustling like six days a week, twelve hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, I'm saying like before, like the industrial revolution, everybody came off the farms. Everybody was a farmer. Everybody worked seven days a week. Oh, yeah. you're talking about back then? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it's like in the history of mankind, weekends uh-huh. are like a new. That's like a man-made thing almost like. Mm-hmm. You know, so all this like it's Friday. You don't expect people to, to work on a Saturday. We can't have fun. We can't enjoy ourselves. I feel like that keeps you stagnant. And when you work when you're when they're not working, I always say this when you work when they're not working, you earn what they're not earning. And so you gotta you gotta really you guys probably hear that, don't you? <laughs> My ear pods aren't in. Um, but I just, I feel like you have to adapt that when before business, what would it was before business was what it is now. I used to work Saturdays and I used to work evenings and I used to get it. And what I realized is like, I got to work my business. Like I was working for other people. So it's like, just cause you have a business doesn't mean like Saturdays are a day off or you don't work certain days. You work on Sunday at seven 30 <laughs> up here, putting out content for the people so we can continue to expand this brand because content is a commercial. And so, um, that's just where I was. And Chris kind of, he always talks about like the time and the effort that you put in on the weekends is going to set you apart. And you want to be set apart because I mean, wealth by its nature is more than other people. Like we're not out here competing with other people, but that's wealth. Like if you're affluent, then you have more than other people typically have. And so you got to be working and hustling more than the typical person is working and hustling. So, so Rashawn, what, what do you got coming up with uh, soon? Any events? Flipping in heels? 
Um, so I actually just did an event today. Um, I did an online virtual event for uh, Midwest Real Estate Summit. They do this event every year. And of course, it was online. It was virtual um, where they have a lot of very, very knowledgeable investors on talking about everything um, from multifamily to syndication, fix and flip, buy and hold, private investing, that sort of thing. Um, and I actually specifically went on and talked about um, social media, growing your business through, you know, using social media, specifically in real estate. Um but other than that, I don't have any more events coming up. And what's so funny is um, I look back to this time last year, and, and I mean, I was traveling like crazy um, the second half of the year after I quit my job. So from, um, you know, July to December, pretty much, I probably, uh, yeah, I probably was going at least twice a month um, traveling and going to different events and things like that. And um, again, slowing down right with the pandemic, there isn't much traveling, there aren't any events. So as a result, I'm able to stay home and focus and actually make more money. So um, no, no events coming up. <laughs> Um, and virtual events, you know, here and there, but, um, like I said, I just did one and then I did one, um, two weeks ago with Michelle McAllister. Um, so no, but you can uh, join infinity. Um, infinity is like I said, the women's group, um, the women's investment group. We talk about all things, real estate investing, but also talk about business credit and how to leverage business credit to invest in real estate. Um, and we talk about um, all of that good stuff. So you can always join that. So what I was going to say is that I feel like people are going to look back and be thankful for this time because normally people would be hopping on a jet. They get a chunk of change and they're like, I'm, I'm out. And what happens is not even just the plane ticket that you're spending. You got hotel and you got clubs and you got going out to dinner for breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> you got Ubers, you got taxis, you got scooters, you got new clothes. And before you know it, you spent a lot of money. So I feel like yeah. it's dope that people have been forced to sit the F down. Like, just sit down. Don't do nothing. Don't be buying no Gucci. Don't be out here going to Bali. Just chill and invest. And I think people are made better for it. They're buying more courses. They're investing more in communities. They are doing a lot more things because they don't have a choice. Like, it's really hard to spend money now. You got to make an effort. I've ran out of stuff. I'm like, I don't, I don't got anything else I want to buy. Right. Like, yeah, get get you in order, right? Work on your home. Work on your physical home and your spiritual home and your internal home, right? Work on you and work on all of that in this time, in this season. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Like, people sitting down. Um, um, like I said, the pandemic slowed me down and it slowed everybody down. Um, it slowed a lot of folks down in the beginning, but I was able to slow down and speed up. And right. I'm well, definitely exactly. grateful for that because I was able to like slow down and then focus on um, the imperfections in my business. And I'm like, there's something that I wasn't connecting and then I was able to make a phone call, get on the phone and, um, you know, talk to someone about like some questions that I had and then I was able to put it all together. Um, but like I said, if I hadn't had that time, I would have just been going, 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 just doing stuff here and there, just, you know, trying stuff and seeing what worked and then, you know, and then hopping on the jet and then coming back to chaos. <laughs> 
Right. And come back you know, to chaos. Or, you come back. Organized to, chaos. But but it was working. But is it is it working in the best manner, right? The most efficient way. And mm-hmm. it definitely it definitely wasn't. It was working. It was enough to get me by. But now it's scalable. Yeah. And I, I feel like you might also see things you don't want to do anymore. Like you'll see stuff that maybe you were doing when the world was functioning a different way. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to buy all these homes in the Midwest. Maybe I want to figure out how I can do this Airbnb arbitrage at home. Maybe I can figure out how I can do more stuff at home because it's not as easy to jump on a jet. And so I was doing the easy stuff as opposed to doing the stuff that maybe is a little bit more difficult, but has a bigger upside. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that there's a revelation to be found in there. It's not just the time. It's also the introspection, like being able to really think about what you're doing and improve that process. It's like, do I really want all these random people being able to text me? Not really. But now that I have the time to think about that, I'm like, I don't want y'all texting me. I don't even want tenants texting me. I've, that's where I've realized. Like, I don't want to, I can't talk to tenants and I can't talk to customers. Uh-huh. That's probably really bad. You're sounding like you're a bad person. Raphael, no, we got we got a rap for it. Absolutely not. I don't think that's bad. Um, I think it's about efficiency and, and the only way you're going to grow and scale, like you aren't going to be able to talk to tenants and scale. It's just not going to happen. You know, you need to have a property management software and system in place and then someone handling those maintenance calls and filtering those out and following up. I used to work at a property management company um, as another nine to five. So, yeah, I I don't think you're a bad person for saying that. Like, that's my boss. I mean, but the good thing about it is that that's something that as we slowed down, that's something that you were able to recognize, realize, internalize and figure out how to change it so you can speed up. Because the time that you are taking away and talking to tenants and talking to clients, you know, that's time that you can be spending doing something else. Raphael, we got a wrap yeah, about, about to wrap it up. Uh, are you going to the Erica's boat party? Erica Williams' boat party? Uh, I'm trying to. Oh, yeah? I think they sold out. I'm out there. I, I, it's not going to sell out for me. Okay, okay. I'm not, I'm just saying, like, Erica's not going to say, Charles, you can't come. It's sold out. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Are you going, Rashana? No, I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> Rashana is a hustler. I'm staying at home. So, Rashana, tell the people how they can uh, become a part of Infinity. Um, so if they follow me, um, they can click the link in my bio, but it's, it's actually um, closed for now. Enrollment is closed for now, and it'll be opening back up in um, a couple of weeks. So oh. be on the lookout for that. Yes, closed <laughs> temporarily. Um, but it'll be opening back up in a couple of weeks. Wanted to revamp some things, so be looking out I'll, for that. I respect your decisions. <laughs> that, that look was like... <laughs> All, all I know is expansion. You need to touch more women. Pause. <laughs> Seriously, though, expand that. You never know who's out there that needs you. It's so dope. Somebody, that girl posted that she hand wrote every book on the podcast. My mind was just blown. Like, people really care what we're doing. Yeah. And it's dope. Because like that's, I feel like that's what life should be about. If all you impacted was yourself, why do you even live? Like the world doesn't just need you to just survive and die. Especially our community, like we need you to make an impact. You need to be right. giving, doing, promoting, 
helping, teaching. We have so many issues that we can solve. And if we're just looking at the issues go by because we're just focused on putting some food on our table, it's like, that's whack to me. That's whack. And that's not how you get rich. You get rich by solving problems for strangers. So Raphael, take us out. Yep. So be sure to follow our special guest tonight, Roshana Scott, on all platforms at Roshana Scott. You can find a spelling in the show notes. Um, sure to check out her brand, Flipping in Heels, and her group, Infinity, which will be opening up within a few weeks, hopefully. Um, be sure to follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles at Todd Billion on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram at Todd Billion, at Todd.Capital, and at Vessel Batman. Follow the show on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Be sure to check out our sponsors, investasateam.com. Um, the ones that created the shirt, you can't fire me, the boss. And also our new sponsor, Get Laced Laces. Upgrade your whole outfit by upgrading your kicks with some brand new laces. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Tweet Todd the Black Health Podcast, and also the Todd Millionaire Podcast. We need to create like a, an overarching brand of media, like Todd Capital Media or something along those lines. We can include yeah. everybody's name in there. It could be like Todd Scott Husband. But we got a we got a 10x guys. M's. If it ain't M's, I can't even have the conversation no more. M's are nothing. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Episode 54. And I'd like to just leave you guys with one last tweet from Roshana as our parting words. Roshana said, they'll never know what you're going through and they shouldn't. Keep hustling. So for <laughs> special guest Roshana, Raphael and Charles. Tweet Talk Podcast, episode 54. We are. Forrest Grant. There it is, man. Podcast listeners, what's up? If you've reached the end of the show, thanks so much for listening. And we value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10-year voiceover artist, narrator, and production specialist that wants to see only the best life-giving, equipping, and long-lasting content be produced to help others. So, if you have commercial, video editing, or other production needs, I'd love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald dot the voice i'm looking forward to talking to you